0: Again, the URL is unchangedcrypto.substack.com. Hi everyone, welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host Laura Shin.
1: CipherTrace cutting-edge cryptocurrency intelligence powers anti-money laundering, blockchain analytics, and threat intel. Leading exchanges, virtual currency businesses, banks, and regulators themselves use CypherTrace to comply with regulation and to monitor compliance. Crypto.com. Get their app and buy crypto at
0: true cost. Get a metal MCO Visa card with up to 5% back on all your spending. Download the Crypto.com app today. eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world, with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform per year. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets with transparent fees. Create an account today at eToro.com. That's E-T-O-R-O ocom com. Today's guest is Wolfie Zhao, Asia Editor at Coindesk. Welcome, Wolfie.
2: Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me.
0: Last week, and actually <laughs> for this whole past week, there's been a fair bit of drama at Bitcoin mining giant Bitmain. What happened?
2: Well, so... Long story short, it, it was a, it was a coup. So um, from October 27th to 30th, there was a video surveillance camera expo in Shenzhen. And Mike Quijan, he was the, he's the co-founder of BIMAN, and he was at the expo. He was there to launch some kind of AI chip from BIMAN for video surveillance cameras. And then one day after that, Jihan, uh, there one day after that there was a change of the business registration data of, of bimen of Beijing bimen Technology. So in that registration change, Mike is no longer the uh, executive director of bimen He's he was also taken over by Jihan as a legal representative. And hours Jihan after Wu. that, yeah, Jihan Wu. Uh, who is also the other co founder of b So, uh, a couple of hours after that change, uh, Jihan will send an email to all staff to B-Man uh, employees saying uh, Michael Giant is basically dismissed of all his roles at b and any employee uh, should not engage with Michael Giant anymore and it should not take any directions from him. So, basically, uh, shut him down. And that was basically it. And hours after the email, hey, um, Jihan will submit uh, some of all this stuff to a all-hands meeting to tell everybody what happened. So that was what happened on last Tuesday. And um, today, one week after that, Michael Jan finally spoke. Uh, he saw WeChat and Weibo and said, He is going to take some legal action to return to the office.
0: All right. So let's go a little bit into that staff meeting. What was the backstory that Jihan gave to explain or justify his actions?
2: Well, so that email was kind of like a shock to many employees because I guess not many people have seen or were like expecting that. So he took that opportunity to explain to everybody what happened and why he had to come back and why he had to take such actions. And he basically used the one-hour meeting to explain what happened from December 2018 when when the kind of conflict had started between him and Mike Kujan. Yeah, that, well, that was pretty much all of the one-hour meeting.
0: And what was that conflict?
2: So... The backstory of the December 2018 was that um, at that point, you know, the Bitcoin uh, price was like, uh, uh, there was a big Bitcoin price crash, and Bitmain was thinking about a layoff. So Jihan and a couple of other founding members of the company was were like pushing forward their plan to lay off um, the employees because at, at that time, I think BM had about like two or three thousand people, but initially, based on what Jihan said to, in the meeting was like myrejan was uh, was a little bit against the plan, so they had a bit of a struggle but then on December seventeenth um Jihan said on that day, Mikejan returned to the office and called for a second meeting, and on that meeting, he wanted to be the sole c e o so as of de- as of December last year, Jihan and Mike Kree were co-CEOs and co-chairmen of bimen So he said on that day, Mike kree returned to the office, wanted to become the only CEO. And he said that is the way to so- uh, to save the company. So that was what happened at that time. So there was a conflict of whether Bimen should have a layoff. But then they come to an agreement that there should be a layoff. And they also come to an agreement that they both will step down from co-CEOs. And they will ask a, second, a third person to take on the CEO, new CEO role. And they will step down from the day-to-day management. So that was the conflict back then. But as time moves on, like, Batman official officially announced that news in March of their stepping down to the public after their Hong Kong IPO failed. Um, but what Jihan said was uh, Mike Creed didn't really step out from the uh, management role. He's still kind of micromanaging the details and wanted to kind of spend more efforts on the AI stuff instead of the crypto mining equipment. So that kind of... That kind of diversed a uh, big, big man's business a little bit. So that kind of started... Uh, the, the the conflict started to escalate.
0: Yeah, one other thing is I think Jihan also said uh, to the employees that Bitmain almost didn't survive that period. And actually what he said is the only reason it was able to pull through was that the price of Bitcoin had in- increased later. Um, I'm assuming he's talking about kind of... You know, through the spring and uh, and even a bit the summer, we saw the price of Bitcoin increase. Um, but ha- has Bitmain struggled this year in twenty nineteen still?
2: I think in twenty nineteen, I mean, he said himself in the meeting, based on the transcript I got, that um, the market share of bit- Bitmain's mining equipment has declined. I mean, I think they're still the number one, uh, has the the most dominant. Uh, market share in terms of making mining machines, but their market dominance has declined, um, and and at the same time, their rival uh, competitors like Canon and Whats Miners, uh, MicroBT, you know, Silicon, they have been able to seize on the opportunity of the price uh, price jump since earlier this year. So, I mean, they they are they, I think they are doing doing fine, but. In terms of a market share, uh, the mining equipment business has declined. And also the mining pool business is also uh, declining. Uh, if you look at the hash rate, real-time hash rate distribution, uh, BTC.com and Ampool used to dominate the top two ranks. Uh, but this year, it was taken by Pooling and F2 Pool.
0: Yeah, and one other thing that is just so curious is, is that at least last year Micree was chairman and he owned 36% of Bitmain holdings while Jihan actually owned only 20%. So how was Jihan able to oust Micree if Micree was the larger shareholder? And I mean it was pretty dramatic the way he did it. I think, you know, not allowing him back in the building after this trip and having his email access already cut off like it was like the, you know this this was <laughs> a huge surprise to McCree, I guess we could say.
2: Yeah, that's also one question I haven't been able to figure out, to be honest. I mean, if you look at the IPO prospect they filed to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange last year, as of September last year, they were co-CEOs, co-chairmen. McCree, um, you're right, Mike Cree has about six, 36% of payment holdings. Um, Jihan has about 20% and and uh, and the two two or three other founding members they have uh four to six percent respectively and another eighteen percent uh was hold was, was held by a trust for the employment stock option incentive. That was the all the ordinary shares that counts for about like nearly ninety percent, I think. And all of the others, like nearly 10%, were uh, held by external uh, shareholders. Uh, now they were uh, basically preferred A and preferred B shares uh, through the equity raising payment did in 2017 and 2018. So technically, I don't know how he managed to do it, but that's just give you the breakdown of their equity structure based on the IPO filing they they filed last year. I don't know if they have changed it in any way. But what Jihan said in the in the in the in the meeting was he stepped when, when they step both stepped down as co-CEOs, he also stepped down he also let Mike Krugan take the chairman role. So supposedly he was not a chairman and now he is a chairman. So I don't I don't technically know how they did it. But somehow they did it.
0: Yeah, I saw Davi Wan tweeting that uh, she she doesn't think, and and Samson Mao, I think, tweeted the same thing, that it doesn't appear that the shareholders were consulted, the other shareholders. So, yeah, so maybe we'll find this out later. All right, so in a second, we're going to discuss kind of what the next steps are, and uh, both for Micri as well as for Bitmain itself. But first, a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. Are you interested in getting into the cryptocurrency markets but don't know where to start building your portfolio? eToro has the answer for you. It's called CopyTrader by eToro. With CopyTrader, you can automatically copy every trade of eToro's top crypto traders at the exact price in real time. No need to study up on markets or develop your own strategies. Simply sign up and copy the trader of your choice. Any profits they make, you do too, proportional to your investment. With eToro, you get access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies with transparent trading fees, all in one easy-to-use app. Copy the smart money with eToro. Join now at eToro.com. That's E-T-O-R-O.com. Crypto.com. Have you seen the MCO Visa card? A metal card loaded with perks with up to 5% back and unlimited airport lounge access. They pay for your Spotify and Netflix too. What's not to love? With Crypto.com, not only can you spend your crypto, but you can grow it too. Earn up to 6% per year on the most popular coins like BTC, XRP, LTC, and up to 12% per year on stable coins. Join the over 1 million others and download the Crypto.com app today. Back to my conversation with Wolfie Zhao. So Mikri, or Mikri, I guess his name is, is now saying that he intends to bring a lawsuit against BitME. So how do you expect that aspect to play out?
2: So, I, I mean, I tried to reach out to, to him for a couple of times, but um, he didn't really pick up the phone or didn't uh, re- respond to us. Um, so I don't I don't know how exactly he's going to going to to do it. If you look at the the IPO filing they, they did last year, the structure of Biman is actually uh, the 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 Beijing Biman Technology is the operational body based in Beijing, and it has a holding company based in Hong Kong, and they have they have a uh, parent company based in Hong Kong. and the holding company is are uh, incorporated in Cayman Island. So I think the way he wants to do might be taking the uh, taking the lawsuit uh, somewhere outside of mainland China, but he may not I don't know if he's actually going to bring it to the court or if when he said in the in the later letters this morning he said he's going to return to the office with some legal action. So he's, he didn't specify what kind of action he will take, but um, let's it, it remains to be seen how exactly he's, to, he's going to do it. but I would imagine he will he will resolve it somewhere outside of Ch- mainland China.
0: And do you have a sense of whether the other shareholders support him or Jihan?
2: I mean, at this point, none of the uh, shareholders have actually spoken anything about it. I mean, we tried to reach out to a few, but they kind of do not want to say anything at this moment.
0: Okay. I did see that in the Financial Times, Liu Feng, editor-in-chief of Chinese crypto news outlet Chain News, said, quote, Everyone is on Wu Jihan's side, except for Zhang's assistant. People in the Bitcoin circle believe in blockchain and cryptocurrency, not AI. And they blame last year's mass layoff on on Jean, meaning Micri. So another, and then there's another article in the FT which quoted somebody as saying that Jihan coming back is like Steve Jobs returning to Apple. Is that your sense of that's of you know that being how either employees or other people in the community view this coup?
2: Yeah, I kind of, I, I have a kind of sense of that. There's another article in Chinese written by a Tencent uh, news outlet um the way that writer describes it was it was like a spring festival during the 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 All hands meeting people were applauding it people were cheering for it because Jihan's back that was that was what i got from that article because people were feeling he's actually coming back to to save it because when the article said when uh, i think it was starting from early October this year, the micro has had some uh, quote-unquote crazy ideas to reshuffle the human resource, to reshuffle the company structure internally, uh, which caused some complaints among the employees. So when Ji-Han got back and he announced that they were going to put a pause on that kind of crazy ideas, and the people were uh, like cheering for it. So that was the kind of color I got from that article, which I, I do feel it's uh, to some extent, it does reflect how people uh, respond to this this whole drama.
0: In the past, though, the company has also made a big bet on Bitcoin Cash, which many, especially in the crypto community, later v- viewed as a mistake. So w- do you think that that will be Jihad's strategy going forward or... You know, how has that kind of debacle affected Bitmain and also Jihan's stature and also his plans going forward?
2: To be honest, I don't know if he's going to continue. I, I don't know if he has any like plan or strategy for that part. But what, one thing I have observed is uh, since later last year, after the Bitcoin Cash hard work, I think he himself has been pretty quiet about all these things. He used to be very, like Jihan used to be kind of very active on both Weibo and Twitter about Bitcoin Cash and all the uh, things he believed in. But I think since later last year, he has been kind of quiet down on that uh, front. So I think uh, it it remains to be seen if he's going to be active again and vocal again about this. But I think he might be continue to focus more on the mining equipment business more.
0: And yeah, so this leads us to Bitmain's next move, which is, I guess, that they have confidentially filed for an IPO with the SEC. Um, how do you think all this drama will affect its IPO plans?
2: Well, I think the if it's true that they have confidentially filed. Um, IPO with the SEC, they're going to have like a back and forth conversations until the, until they officially reveal the F1 form. So I think it may have some impact on the whole process because they want to be, sh- I mean, the, the, the regulators want to be sure that this company has a sustainable, has the well-structured company management. So now you, have also a main shareholder, a chairman, and a legal representative of this company um, how are you gonna make sure that it will sustain to be a well managed company going forward? so I think that is a question mark uh, not just from the regulator but from I think from people in this community because people still haven't figured out like how that actually happened and whether that amounts to a legal or, or legitimate removal of a chairman for a company.
0: At the same time, the its rival, is it Kanan or Ka- what did you, how did you pronounce it earlier? Kanan Creative? Uh,
2: or Canon?
0: Kanan Creative. So they also recently filed for an IPO in the US on NASDAQ. They're attempting to raise $400 million. Do you think this has had any effect on? Jihan's decision to oust Cree, and do you also think that this drama at Bitmean could kind of give an opening to to their competitor?
2: Well, I think I mean, the, the, news, the news about kind of finding an IPO hasn't been around for like months before they actually filed the uh, submit application to the SEC. So I think both of them know that they want to go public and both know that their competitors are trying to uh, um, trying to get ahead of the game. But what we see is this year Bitmain's mining equipment business, because the sales of the miners actually like ninety percent, more than ninety percent of Bitmain's business. So the mining pool is really, really small for Bitmain. So the decline of market share on that front is definitely a sign that. This company is facing a serious challenge from their rival competitors. So, I think the with, with or without the IPO from Canon, uh, Bitmain is feeling the pressure because they see the competition. When the when the Bitcoin price jumped in April, starting from April, both Canon, InnoCinicon, and uh, MicroPD, which makes the Watts Miner, they have been able to ship the products. Because they have enough, um, they have have been, they have been able to actually have the capability from their ship suppliers to ship the uh, to ship the miners, whereas Bemen has had difficulty of doing that. So they kind of lost a big part of the opportunity to their competitors. So I think that is one push that made Jihan to you know really come back to pull this company's strategy back to the main business, which is making the uh, Bitcoin mining machines.
0: And wait, why couldn't they ship, but their competitors could?
2: Well, so that, that all boils down to the bottleneck of the Bitcoin, mining, uh, the Bitcoin mining equipment. So most of these companies, they are trying to make more advanced uh, Bitcoin mining machines. And that depends on the chip. So many of them use 7 nanometers, 8 nanometers or 10 nanometers and you actually have to have the chip from say TSMC or Samsung the foundry companies to supply you with enough wafers. And because the wafers can be also be used for those chips can also be used for like smartphones um, and other electronic devices and those are like big orders even much bigger than the mining companies. So TSMC and Samsung, they have different priorities for supplying their chip. They have their own problem of producing enough chip, and they will have, to, have to prioritize who, which customer they're going to supply to. So all the mining miner makers, they are facing the same problem, which is the capability from the uh, from the wafers, from the foundry business.
0: But so why was it that the competitors were able to overcome that problem, but Bitmain wasn't?
2: So Bitmain has, they all have different kinds of products. So if they use a less advanced mining chip, the product will have a less powerful uh, hashing rate and it will be cheaper. So, and and because it's cheaper, the suppliers will have more, uh, can supply a much bigger quantity for that. Because it's less advanced technology, so that they can produce more. But if you, if like Biman has trying to uh, try to sell their M minor S seventeen, for example, or S seventeen Pro, and they are using chip from TSMC, that is a seven nanometer chip from TSMC, and at the same time, their their competitors are using a little bit less advanced, like say eight nanometers or ten nanometers. So the suppliers will have will have a stronger capability to supply for that kind of chip because that's less advanced. So they have a better they have the capability to produce more of that to supply.
0: I see. Oh that's interesting. That's uh <laughs> it's kinda weird how Bitmain's competitive advantage sort of worked against them in a weird way. Um, all right. Well, this has been incredibly fascinating. And I guess we're just going to have to see how all this drama continues to play out at Bitmain. But thank you for explaining everything that happened in this past week and how this coup went down. Thanks for coming on unconfirmed. Sure. My pleasure. Don't forget, next up is the news recap. Stick around for This Week in Crypto after this short break.
1: Will the world follow France and advocate banning privacy coins? Will government-backed stablecoins become the new fiat? Are distributed and peer-to-peer exchanges just a flash in the pan? The answer is maybe. Virtual currencies can flourish and create a new, private, and more versatile economy. But that grand vision can't happen without keeping crypto clean. And that requires support of governments and accountability for bad actors. Privacy-enhanced compliance using cryptographic controls has the potential to preserve anonymity without compromising legitimate investigations. CypherTrace is working on this vision of the future. Sign up to stay up to date on the Privacy-enhanced Compliance Initiative and receive authoritative crypto AML reports quarterly. www.cyphertrace.com slash keepcryptoclean Hi everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's News Recap. Before
0: we get to this week's news, I just wanted to mention that after seven months and almost a 100 emails, I finally got an interview with one of the co-creators of Libra, Christian Catalini, who is now the chief economist at Calibra. On this week's Unchained, he answered a huge range of questions on everything from how Facebook will earn money from Calibra to how Facebook and the Libra Association plan to satisfy the contradictory desires to both prevent anti-money laundering, but also bank the unbanked. I try to ask some of the questions that lawmakers asked, but did not actually give Mark Zuckerberg time to answer during the congressional hearing, as well as to understand further the issues relating to China's digital currency and whether Libra really is the best countermeasure to that. If you haven't caught this episode, be sure to check it out. Okay, now on to the news. The first circle is one that I have not actually seen widely shared, but I found it fascinating. And this is my headline on it, how Russia and other rogue states are creating an alternative financial system with crypto. This long-read Wired article looks into how cryptocurrency mining is booming in post-Soviet countries and why. Hannah Lucinda-Smith writes, quote, "There, There are layers to how Russia might weaponize cryptocurrencies in the era of hybrid warfare. The first is already well underway, using cryptocurrencies to pay for acts of political sabotage, like the hacking of Hillary Clinton's emails. The next appears to be in progress, the mass stockpiling of cryptocurrencies through intense mining using Russia's huge gas reserves. If it manages to gather enough, it could secure itself an influential position as blockchain usage continues to grow, perhaps comparable to the place the US holds through the dollar in the traditional banking system. In the meantime, it provides the Kremlin with access to a vast hoard of capital that is difficult to control and trace. But the third layer is most troubling, experts say. At some point in the future, perhaps within the next decade, Russia and other rogue states could create an alternative financial system based on blockchain that allows them to freely trade with one another, channeling money to armed groups and attracting investment to keep their economies afloat despite international sanctions. As I mentioned, it's a long read, but there's a lot of color and detail here. It really goes... um, I mean, she went to all these places that I had to look up on Google Maps. They were names I had not even heard of before, just little forgotten places in um, post-Soviet countries uh, that now are seeing this huge cryptocurrency boom. So it gives a really fascinating look into how the crypto space race is playing into geopolitics, which I think is going to be a big theme for the coming year. All right. The next story that I want to highlight is BitMEX reveals tens of thousands of user emails. This obviously happened last week, but it happened after I released last week's unconfirmed. One of the most absurd security breaches happened last week when Bitcoin futures exchange BitMEX emailed the majority of its users with the email addresses in the to field, exposing what Larry Cermak of the block estimated to be 30,000 email addresses. He tweeted, There is already a 30k email dump selling on Darknet. For any user that was involved in this leak, get ready for constant phishing attempts and emails from competitors. Be careful. The next story I want to highlight, the Ethereum marketing DAO has been summoned. It was only a matter of time. Ethereum now has a marketing DAO. While other blockchains such as Dash and Decred have built-in funding functions. Built in funding for functions such as marketing, Ethereum isn't going that route. It's going a particularly Ethereum e way, via a DAO, one forked from Moloch DAO. The founders of the Ethereum marketing DAO include consensus advisor and former CMO Amanda Cassett, former Ethereum Foundation advisor and blockchain author William Muguiar, Meta Cartel DAO's Alexander Mazmizian. I'm not sure if I'm saying that. Name right, former CMO, Shapeshift CMO, and current director at Waxman, Ellen Lee Coleman, and more than 50 others. First up on the DAO's to-do list is creating an Ethereum brand positioning statement, as well as a catchphrase akin to Bitcoin's digital gold handle. Next story, Square's Bitcoin sales hit 14300 which the blocks estimates to be $150 million. Also, the block notes the, or Square notes that first time BTC buyers from the Square Cash app have roughly doubled since its redesign in September. And the strong performance in Q3, partially from BTC sales, has prompted Square to push its 2019 revenue guidance upward. The next story I want to highlight. The silly study saying one whale drove Bitcoin's 2017 price surge. If you're going to read one article about that far-fetched study saying that one individual was responsible for the Bitcoin bubble of 2017, have it be Elaine Au's or Ouz Bloomberg opinion piece, which gives several more plausible explanations to the author's hypotheses. First, she says that they attribute one of the custodial account addresses, like that of an exchange, <laughs> to one for an individual, which uh, that's a huge mistake if that is true, uh, Jeremy Lair also said that that was what he thought. Also, their contention that Tether seems to be issued in response to a decreasing Bitcoin price could be explained by Tether being issued in response to user demand. She also has an interesting hypothesis having to do with how traders in China have been using Tether after the Bitcoin trading ban in that country. But her final paragraph is the most important point. And here she's referring to the loan that Tether gave to Bitfinex when one of Bitfinex's business partners had hundreds of millions of dollars of its funds seized by authorities. Quote, Perhaps the takeaway is that when banks refuse to do business with crypto traders, or when a government bans trading altogether, it doesn't stop traders from trading. It just forces them to find creative solutions. If it were easy for crypto exchanges to use the traditional banking system, there would be no need for Tether at all. Finally, fun bits. This isn't exactly a fun story, but I wanted to highlight um, a piece that Alex Glasdean wrote in Bitcoin Magazine, where he expounds on his idea, his ideas from last week's Unconfirmed. So, of course, as I mentioned, this isn't a fun read, because if you remember that episode, he was talking about what he sees as the significance of China's digital currency. And um, it's a little bit of a dystopian view. Um, however, while he was describing just how dystopian he could it could be in this Bitcoin magazine piece, he basically, he said that a blockchain-based digital yuan could be, quote, lipstick for a panoptical pig. So this is definitely worth a read, because it, uh, highlights the issues in a great way and is a, is um well well written okay that's it for this week's news to learn more about the topics that wolfie and i discussed as well as the stories from this week's news recap be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player if you enjoyed this episode please give the show a top rating or review on apple podcasts that helps other listeners find out about us unconfirmed is produced by me laura shin with alpha factor recording anthony Yoon, daniel ness and josh durham thanks for listening